0: Oh, in again. Brilliant run. Aubameyang, good stop from Ryan. Uh, <clears throat> firstly, Matt, thanks for joining us at the Regional Football Hub as our first special guest outside a regional area. Um, we understand that you've been extremely busy and you've just come from another interview. So we do really appreciate you giving up your time um, to those in the country who can experience someone who's gone on and, and made it to the top level. So thank you for joining us, mate.
1: No no worries, thanks for having me on and yeah, no matter obviously where we come from, always nice to, to help anyone I can out there so hopefully you can uh, provide a bit of an insight. Wonderful. How's isolation
2: been going for you? you obviously come back home for a little bit. How have uh, you been handling your time and um, hopefully you've been able to get some re- relaxation time in, in the break?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, obviously the, the reason I'm away is purposeful when obviously football is is going on and you know, when that's taken away, um, you know, there's no place I'd rather be than back here closest to, to those who mean most. So due to the, the circumstance obviously I, I tried to obviously get the, the first plane out of there once I was allowed or given permission to and yeah, got back here and had to quarantine uh, for two weeks in the hotel, but uh, it was a nice prize at the end of it all to, to be out here and closer to everyone. And yeah, just tried to obviously abide by the guidelines. Um, but yeah, spending time with my mum, my sister, and you know, my grandparents here and there with the, the easing guidelines. So it's uh, you know, trying to make the most of it.
0: I love it. I know I've seen a couple of videos on social media. Who was happier to see you come in the front door, mate? Your family or your dog?
1: <laughs> always the dog it's, uh, it's got a nice tradition with her that um, when I do come back I always try sort of you know come in to the, the property unannounced so jumping over the fence and that just to sort of have an element of surprise but this time around it was, a, it was a first in the fact that she normally like picks up a scent or she's outside and she hears me but she was actually inside when I arrived the first time and the way I was sort of sneaking around the house, um, my my mother's window uh, to the living room came up, and when I poked my head around, she was actually lying, facing, looking straight out that way, so <laughs> she just saw my head pop out from around the corner, and she had no idea who it was, so she actually came out and was starting to run and bark, and she was she was coming at a rate, and I actually got a little bit scared, so I had to start calling her by her name. and. And yeah, doing a couple of signals that um, yeah, helped her remember that it was me and she, she quickly calmed down and, and realised it was me and uh,
3: it all turned out alright. But yeah, I was, uh, I was a little bit scared there for the moment.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
3: I guess before we get into the football side of things, I know you're a big fan of the paramount Eels. Is rugby league your favourite sport? Outside yeah.
1: of football, obviously. Yeah, I'd say aside from football, um, I love all sports, golf, tennis, everything. But um, probably the one I'm most a uh, fanatic of is, is yeah, the Parramatta Eels and, and Rugby League. Just, yeah, growing up in Western Sydney and all that um, from a young kid, just had a real passion for them and supporting them. So, uh, you know, hopefully the season doesn't play another game and, you know, we can be crowned champions because uh, <laughs> we're, we're top of the ladder at the moment. So... It would be nice if we we're the premiers, you know. So, <laughs> how many
2: uh, rants have you had from managers that are Fergie-like or Neil Warnock-like? Any you can share?
1: Whoa. Um, it's either not many or a lot. <laughs> no, nah, nah, not 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 many, not many to be honest. Uh, I think that's probably been more an old-school manager type of approach, you know, where they sort of, yeah, they're not. Uh, not afraid to let you have it a little bit. Um, This day and age, you know, players are sort of getting all the power, more so with, you know, the wages and all that within a club. So, you know, it's all about obviously supporting players these days and keeping them mentally fresh. So I think you find a lot of the coaches these days are a lot more supportive in that aspect. Um, I don't think you get... You don't really achieve much by putting anyone down or, you know, it's not good for anyone's confidence. But... um, I'm just yeah, trying to think. Always when I'm put on the spot, I always find it hard to, to come back to remember. But probably I'd have to probably say um, a couple of the Ange Costa Coglu's um, you know, rants at times where we haven't been um, doing what he's asked of us. Probably you know, are up there with um, you know, the dressing downs that we've, we've had or the sprays that we've copped. But uh, aside from that, I can't really think of one that stands out too much, to be honest. Fair enough um
2: who's some of the best practical jokers you've had in squads that you've been involved in and how do you how do you fit as a practical joker in your squad uh,
1: wait i got to clarify like practical joker, jokers or like do i have to think that they're a good practical joker because there's a difference <laughs>
2: <laughs> fair enough but, The ones uh, that try the hardest to be the practical jokers
1: uh, i would i'd say ryan mcgowan in his time um, you know, not that it's over, but obviously he hasn't been in recently we can make a comeback. Uh he, he loves he loves the sound of his own voice and he's quite chirpy and, and that. Um um Martin Boyle as well. Um he's he's quite a, a loud character and is always having a laugh and all that. Um, you know, it's a bit funny obviously hearing it coming from a, a Scottish accent. We're not used to that in the Australian national team too much.
0: But yeah.
1: Uh,
3: that's a, that's a little bit funny, but I'd definitely say those, those two are up there. Do you have a strict routine heading into games, like something that you have to do every time before you play? Yeah, I like to get into a,
1: a routine, you know, in regards to my preparation. Um, you know, it obviously starts with eating well and, you know, good, good night's sleep. Uh, I do a bit of a run on game day as well in the morning, just to limber up a little bit and a bit of a roll on the foam roller and, yeah, a bit of a stretch and stuff just to help me feel, yeah, nice and limber and, and ready to go. And um, that's, yeah, the extent of it really. Then obviously we have like sort of certain protocols we've got to fulfil in terms of, you know, the, the pre-match meal and a team meeting and those types of things before, you know, being ready to go.
0: Do you have a, a favourite pre-match meal or is it more what's sort of served up for you or...?
1: Uh, Sort of, we get the same foods on a pre-match meal. I, I sort of tend to go for a bit of a chicken and avocado sandwich, and then I, I have a little bit of wholemeal pasta and a bit of peanut butter on toast to finish. That's generally what I go for, and uh, it gives me plenty of energy for for the game.
2: What's your favourite food in the off-season when you don't have to worry about your routine?
1: Wow, I'm gonna say i am I'm gonna say an acai bowl. Hey, <laughs> it's uh, I'm. I'm I'm all about, you know, the healthy eating and I don't know, I don't really enjoy too much, you know, a big hamburger or pizza these days or anything. I, I don't know. I, I find comfort in fueling my body with good food and, and I don't know, it makes me feel that ease a little bit. So uh, probably a few people will cringe towards that answer, but uh, <laughs> there's nothing better than a fresh acai bowl with some fruit and uh, you can't forget the dollop of peanut butter. So uh.
0: <laughs> Quality. love it. Um. Small house party you're having? Who who are the first people that you do do invite, and who's a couple that you don't invite?
1: Well, within the Socceroos. No,
0: anyone. Uh, any, anyone any, you can't have
2: the COVID Brighton players in.
1: Right now. <laughs> I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't plan on that anyway. You know, picked it up. But um, um, yeah, I'd have to say some of my closest mates you should probably know as well. They play in the A League, but um, you know, uh, you know, I'd say. Anthony Caceres, um, Nick Fitzgerald, Bernie Abini. I would say Pedge Boyic as well. Um, Mile Stojowski I would have round as well as the peacekeeper. <laughs> uh, uh, Kieran Poor plays for Manly in the New South Wales Premier League. Um, I would say they're, they're probably my first to invite around. Uh, not to invite around... Um, uh, good question. Um, I'll invite right around Musty and Nini as well. He, he's good value with his life and entertainment. Um,
2: We're going the big party.
1: Yeah. Wow. <laughs> how, how many people constitute a small house party? <laughs> <laughs> Five at the moment. <laughs> Five? Yeah, I'll, I'll keep it at that. Um, uh, who I wouldn't like to have around? Um, trying to think. Uh, I mean, there's not too many people I sort of dislike or, you know, I think I'm pretty sociable, so I can sort Very of go with anyone, but, um, you know, I'll, I'll go in and say Tom Rodgick, me and him sort of have a love-hate relationship, you know, and we're either getting on well or we're, uh, you know, at each other's throats, so it can be, uh, can be yeah, quite volatile if he was going to be at the house party, so I'll leave, I'll leave <laughs> that way. Love it.
2: For those who watch The Dam United, was probably the first time they heard of Brighton & Hove. So, a lot of people
1: only found out about Brighton & Hove because Matt Ryan played for him.
2: What's good to do in Brighton & Hove?
1: Um, yeah, it's a coastal town down in the south, about an hour and a half south of London. Uh, it's got its own little atmosphere. Um, I guess a little bit more... similar to, I guess, that of uh, the entrance on the central coast in terms of size. Uh, the entrance is, I guess, more a holiday destination, but I'd say Brighton and Hove is a little bit busier all year round, being a bit more residential and stuff. So uh, it's a, it's a, an alternative type of place, so a little bit like a new town in Sydney. Um, yeah, you got sort of, yeah, a lot of, uh, you know, veganism is around, um, this sort of new hip um, alternative uh, styles and all these types of things and yeah, nice cafe and and restaurant scene and a few bars and pubs and and all that type of thing. And, you know, shopping centre down there as well. So it's got its own little atmosphere and, you know, quite easy, easy-going um, area. And, you know, everyone always says if you live in the UK, you want to live somewhere sort of on the south coast, um, further away from up north where it gets a little bit colder, windier. and and So uh, it's a nice little area. What are
0: you doing there, mate? Oh, yeah, I'm yeah, going out.
1: Hey, well, <laughs> yeah.
0: it's a bit
2: like your goalkeeping. Drop the drop the ball, mate. <laughs> oh come on, mate, easy up.
3: <laughs> Uh You mentioned that you had the two-week quarantine at your hotel room. How did that go? Uh, it wasn't too bad. I mean, there's been a lot of publicity out
1: there of how you know how much torture it is for some people and all that, but um, you know it's. I know everyone, you know, is always talking about positive mentality these days, but you know, I I adopted that and I didn't find it too bad. You know, just trying to stay proactive and productive with my time. You know, in a routine, uh, make use of technology, TV series, and FaceTime and Zoom, and you know, catching up with friends and family, and a bit of TV, some movies in between, just finding the balance and just doing a few home workouts and those types of things to stay fit and you know, try to keep some level of conditioning. So just a little bit of balance of of all that and good night's sleep and you know still managed to eat clean and, and not let myself go too too badly. So uh you know time time passed by not too badly and you know I had the prize at the end of the day of getting out and seeing friends and family. So that was definitely, you know, a motivating factor.
2: Cool. I'm just gonna show Sharon here. just a
1: FIFA card. You see that? Uh it's just oh yeah, I can now, yep. Yeah yeah. Are you,
2: do you agree with your FIFA stats or uh, should we run in DA Sports
1: and uh, complain? I'd probably be quite happy, but, you know, I think I'm a, I've am i got a bit more speed than that card um, portrays. Um, you know, someone, I guess, with the um, characteristics that I have as a goalkeeper being a bit smaller and lower sense of gravity, you've obviously got to be a little bit sharper and quicker. So, um, after, I guess... You know, do some things in order to get that that uh that attribute up on the card. So aside from that, uh, you know, not too happy, uh, not too disappointed with it.
0: I think I think the fellow that does the speed is going to get sacked. That's a common uh common one coming up actually.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, what's what's next?
0: A few of the other, a few of the, other um, the boy Brian Grant was the same. He was saying um, yeah. he wasn't happy with his yeah. speed. Everyone yeah. seems to say speeds. Happy. Jacob,
2: Jacob Tratt wasn't happy either. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I think it's maybe that um, stereotype that Australians can't play football. So, you know, perhaps they think we can't run or something like that. And they, <laughs> I don't know what nationality the makers of the game are or that, that does all the stats, but maybe they've got it against us. But uh, we'll keep having to, you know, prove them wrong, I guess. Do you play much, FIFA? I uh, actually don't. I stopped playing quite a while ago. I used to smash it as a kid growing up, but uh, when I went to Valencia, I wanted to learn the language, and I thought, oh, I'm not going to take my PlayStation because, you know, I'd be distracted. So I left it behind, and I haven't really played it since then, to be
0: honest. Fair enough. Um, obviously, we spoke about before before, speaking to others as well. You seem like, obviously, someone who, someone asks you to do something, hands down, you, you, you try and do it, you fit it all in. How do you manage being able to do all that? You find it as a great asset.
1: Uh, you mean like in the structuring of like interviews and all this stuff as well, like?
0: Yeah, yeah, everything you know, obviously. You
1: um, know. Yeah, I mean, just I guess as a kid growing up, one of the you know morals you learn is you know try you know treat people how you'd like to be treated. So you know, I'm always trying to um, yeah, I guess do that, uh, pay respect to everyone out there. Uh, you know, you got to pick and choose because obviously the. You know, I'm not trying to put myself on a pedestal or anything, and saying that I'm, you know, I'm I'm a wanted person in, in you know wanting to do everything, but you know, I do get a few requests out there and you just try and pick and choose and um, you know, do ones that can I guess reach um, you know the I guess the greater public or you know you do favors for friends and all these types of things. So um, yeah, I'm just trying to always be um. what's the word uh, yeah uh, you know acknowledging people and, and trying to be useful with my time and and um, help others as well you know live life to the fullest and maybe you know through my own experiences and journey I can maybe inspire to help them you know reach their full potential as well and and live life to the fullest. Um, I used to be a goalkeeper
2: once upon a time Um. I started as a want to be striker, like most goalkeepers do, generally speaking, and then uh, was a goalkeeper. How did it? How did it work for you in terms of becoming a goalkeeper?
1: Uh, yeah, funny story. My next door neighbour, uh, we grew up playing together just in the local leagues, and, and at the age of uh, ten, his father had a bit of experience in in soccer and football, and. Um, uh, had a little bit of a, a stint playing representative, so he had it in his mind from a real young age that, uh, well sorry, when his kids were at a real young age that he wanted to try train them in order to help them reach their full potential. So, they were off pursuing like representative football f- from the first age that they could. So, he left the team at the age of ten and went and played for a representative team. But whilst he was still my neighbour, he was he used to go training down at the park and. All his boys used to be, um, you know, outfield players and, you know, we're doing exercises, we're shooting on goal. And he used to ask me to come down and just jump in goal as a goalkeeper. And I was a little bit of a natural. And um, that that same season, their goalkeeper up and left and moved into state. And just from that, he asked if I wanted to go down for a trial. And, you know, I had a why not attitude and I went down there and it's pretty naive of me at the moment. But in the moment that when the coach asked me where my goalkeeper gloves were, um, I told him uh, that my mum said she'll buy me a pair if I make the team. So uh, probably wasn't the smartest thing to say in the moment. But after that training session, they said I was in the team. And sure enough, I got my first pair of goalkeeper gloves and it all started from there.
0: Cool. Love it. I remember doing um, a little bit of work with JC and Tony. And JC just said a comment that stuck out about when he was working on your left foot. And then um, one day you just said, you know what, JC, I, I think my left foot is as good as my right. It just it feels the same. How was how that for you coming from obviously preferred right foot to being able to hit both feet?
1: Yeah, well, just when I was growing up um, as a kid, it was getting more and more um, acknowledged the fact that, I guess, you know, football players, goalkeepers included and all that, if you're able to be two-footed, you know, it's an extra skill, you know, you can add to your game. Something that could set you apart from the rest, so uh yeah, I obviously tried to work hard on that when I was young and um, and yeah, just you know, like any aspect you work on, um uh, you know the more you practice it, hopefully that results in you know the better you become and um you know something that I feel quite comfortable to use these days, and you know it's a real asset come on the pitch when. You know, you've got the ball and you can sort of shift it either side and, you know, have enough confidence and comfort to, to play a pass uh, off either one and, and helps me, you know, contribute to whoever I'm representing, uh, especially with the way the game is going at the moment as well, a lot more. Um, you know, the style we see these days is trying to play out from the back in a passing game. So, that's, uh, that's helped me quite a lot, um, you know, with the modern game today.
0: And how important, I suppose, is it a lot of the goalkeepers I, I coach and you've sort of touched on it, how important is it for them to continually practice? Is it is it a confidence thing because they know they can hit it on their right foot that they don't go away and practice so much on their left? Or how do we sink into them to really go away and, and keep driving at, at their non-preferred foot?
1: Yeah, I just think acknowledgement of it in the first place is in something you want to be working on and then, you know, persistence with it. Um, you know, trial and error. you just got to keep... Yeah, trialling it and learning from, I guess, the errors where you're unable to do it in order to, you know, hopefully progress and, and then obviously improve along the way until you get to a level where you, you do feel comfortable. And, um, you know, you've got to get out of your comfort zone of just playing off the one foot. And, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of that approach to anything in life, you know. Once you get out of your comfort zone, you know, that's generally where a lot of growth happens and a lot of improvement happens you know in, in in all facets of life so you know it's the same with wanting to improve a certain aspect of of goalkeeping or you know if, you know a striker or anything you got to you got to work on it and you got to you know uh, apply yourself to it and you know um you know keep sticking with it and sustaining the the training and you know all the methods that that are going to help you get to the level you want to reach and you know by that approach I'm sure you're going to Well, I think in my own experiences, that approach has been the thing that's worked best for me to arrive where I've wanted to arrive with certain aspects of my game and certain aspects of my life.
2: Yep. Uh, Again, I was an average goalkeeper, but part of my problem was I always wanted to be the hero, right? So when... when The other strikers had the ball. I'd wanted to beat the defender because I wanted to make a save. The problem was I didn't make the save often enough. I don't have a career like you do. What's the mindset for you like when you're playing in terms of of that? I know you wrote um, a little while ago about the respect you show to a player um, and you had some reflections on that. What's the mindset for you when you're playing in that regard as a goalkeeper, um, balancing, I guess, being the hero or I guess if you do your job, effectively and defenders do, keeping a clean sheet, how does that sort of balance for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, my motivation is of being successful in, in winning games and winning trophies. And, you know, I'm always looking at, you know, when goals are conceded and all those things where we can do better, you know, whether it's me individually or, you know, tactically or communication-wise where I could have given information or, you know, whatever. I mean, I'd much rather obviously stop the situation as far away from goal as possible, and me not have to make a save, rather than me having to pull out a last ditch save. Um, Obviously, you know, much like scoring a goal for a striker is the you know is, um, yeah, the the be all and end all uh, for a striker. I Guess or what they're judged on making a last ditch save for a goalkeeper. You know, one you're not expected to make is you know is the best scenario. Um, but I think the, the drive to want to win um, is is what, I guess, motivates me more so than wanting to pull off a hero moment um, myself. So um, I must prefer yeah, being organised uh, tactically to help prevent, I guess, goal scoring opportunities to, to the opposition is the approach I'd prefer to take.
0: You touched on, obviously, different styles of play and how you want to be coming out and preventing something before you have to exactly make a save. How do you balance that between the national team and, and Brighton? So, obviously, a little bit of a, a deeper line with Brighton, and then especially in the days under Am's when he was really wanting to, to play a high line and you had to slowly come into the national team and, and be right behind your defence, outside your box. How do you manage the two?
1: That's a a good question and probably something that not a lot of people, I guess, grasp. Um, You know, there is a certain skill to a player having a level of adaptability and, you know, the better you can obviously be at that skill, you know, whether, like you say, you're changing from domestic football to international football or even when, you know, there's a change of manager or you, you know, a transfer yourself to a new team, the quicker you can adapt and change, you know, the better it's gonna do for you individually. And yeah, you know, playing different styles within the national team and then back at your club, you know, requires um, you know, that school that skill to be in effect and ultimately you just gotta do the best you can to absorb the information from the coach and staff in what he wants from you as the goalkeeper within the team and within the tactics and and try apply them to the best that you can. So, you know, the more adaptable you can be and, uh, fulfill the roles in which, you know, are laid out by the manager, probably the better chance you're going to have seeing your name on the team sheet, you know, as, as often as possible. So, um, yeah, like you say, there's certain aspects with the deeper line at Brighton and, you know, with the style of football, um, You know, depending on the team you're playing against, obviously, but a lot more, you know, long balls played into the box and, you know, the deeper line, perhaps. You know, in Brighton, there's a lot more bigger defenders and, you know, strikers and the knowingness that the referees let things go a lot more than in other countries. And um, I think the players in England, they don't give up things as easily as in other leagues. So when a high ball's coming into the box and there's a shout of keeper or, or whatever... I think in other leagues more often than not the other players hear the call and just sort of give up on it thinking it's the keeper's ball whereas in England they recognize uh, I feel like it's still an opportunity where they can you know create something from it by giving a you know a, a nudge at the right time to for it not to be deemed by the referee that it's illegal and that there could be a second phase play that would happen or something like that and I think the a lot more switched on in that aspect than I guess other leagues and a lot more physical in that aspect than other leagues. And, you know, not everyone, you know, there's a lot of details within the game that, you know, influence the decision-making um, of the goalkeepers and plays within the league that I guess not everyone can sort of grasp and, and understand unless, you know, you've had experiences, I guess, within the game, but um, that definitely influences decision and perhaps within the national team and you're playing other oppositions, um, You know, throughout Asia, you know, smaller nations and and all that, um, they tend to let things go. uh, uh, They sort of give up things a little bit earlier and, you know, you can sort of come out and be that little bit more proactive. And with a higher line, you've got less traffic in front of you in a high ball situation, you know, to come out and claim it. Because, you know, even when you've got your own defenders there in front of you, uh, you know, if you clatter into them, that's not a foul, it's play on. And in England... You know, especially the team I play for, I feel like the central defenders, even if you call as the keeper to come, they don't always necessarily leave the ball. You know, they're still contested and these types of things. So all these things are taken into account when I'm trying to make split second decisions on the field and, and um, you know the reasoning behind some of my decisions and you know it's quite easy that obviously commentators and everyone watching the game thinks, you know why didn't he do that or why didn't he come for this and all these types of things. But you know there is a thought process behind all the decisions, and you know in the perfect world. You know, I think every goalkeeper player or whatever would love to score every time they shoot, would love to come and catch every ball that comes into the box and, and all that. But, you know, there's a number of things that eventuate within a game that, um, you know, through experiences of not um, prevailing in those moments and having made mistakes and having tried to learn from them that, you know, we don't decide to be that proactive in that moment or, you know, whatever. You know, you're always constantly trying to learn and, you know, you're always being asked questions at the highest level, and you know the margin for error is always so minimal if there is a margin. So you're always trying to do the best that you can, and it's just fine margins in, in you know across the whole board. Yep.
2: Cool. How did you how did you find going from A League to, to Spain, and then obviously you've landed in EPL in terms of handling or, or or your views on the different styles of football that are across the leagues you have played in.
1: Um just through a matter of rolling up the sleeves and going with it you know there's no in my opinion you know the way you approach life there's no other alternative than to roll up your sleeves and roll with the punches and overcome whatever you face you know when you make mistakes when perhaps you're not in your best form or whatever um you know you can't wave the white flag and and let it get the better of you and and give up so to speak and you know it's that same approach I have with life as it is to my football always just trying to have that growth mindset and learn from experiences and use those experiences in then my present and future to help hopefully my present and future go better for me and help me create as many lifelong memories through being successful and you know help me lead the most fulfilling life that I I can lead and um, that's that's the approach I have and I felt that that has worked for me now and has helped me get to the level that I'm at and I think it's an important treat to have as a, as a person um, and, I guess, a professional athlete
3: moving forward to, to help you, you know, fulfil your, your potential that you got. got. Cool. Well, as we know, the Olympics has been postponed to next year and our under-23s team qualified with 3 overage players allowed. Are you looking at one of those spots, potentially? Yeah, definitely. Um,
1: I don't know when it's going to fall in terms of, you know, I think this year, if it didn't get postponed, it was going to be the last weekend of July and the first weekend of August, which was going to be pretty close to um, the season restarting in in England. And you know, we were going to have the Copa America this year also, and we're going to have qualifying games on top of that. So, you know, I would, you know, I'm not going to say no. I'm definitely interested in in going, and it would be something that I'd love to be a part of. But I also need to obviously look at the bigger scheme of things and and make a decision. You know, to help me be able to, you know, play at my, you know, my my top form, um, along, you know, for for as long as I can. So, um, but yeah, definitely interested in it. You know, any chance to represent your country, and you know, that something so unique, like a, you know, an Olympics, would be, you know, unreal. So, definitely, um, got the got the hand half raised at the moment.
3: Just needed a few more facts before I put it up the full <laughs> way. You know, <laughs> love it. And you mentioned the Copa America there. Was that something well obviously the Socceroos are all looking forward to? Yeah, definitely. You know, any time, you know, that's what I love about playing in the Premier
1: League and playing international football at World Cups and that any any opportunity to test yourself against the best, you know, the you know, the bigger the the bigger the challenge, you know, the bigger the adversity, you know, the more Uh, the sweeter the the triumph, the bigger the triumph. So coming up against, you know, some of the best teams in the world, some of the best players in the world and some of the best stadiums and atmospheres in the world, which from what I've seen on social media and all that and, you know, Google and all these things that, you know, the, the atmospheres and crowds, they get it, you know, some of these South American nations, you know, and that aside, you know, some of the football that some of the nations from there produce, I was very much looking forward to that tournament as well and testing ourselves there and, you know, Seeing the the growth that we we would have had by you know participating in it, you know something that I was really looking forward to, and hopefully it's something that we can get um, you know the privilege of taking part in um, next year when it rolls around. It's just obviously the uncertainty now, with, uh, yeah, international games, and then you know having to play catch up with the the World Cup qualifiers if it's going to go ahead or not. There's lots of rumours flying around, so we'll see what happens
0: going to take a little step back in your debut for Central Coast. Um, massive achievement Achievement at the time. How did you How did you bounce back? Obviously, small error in that game led to a goal. How did that affect mentally and then for you to, to go on and, and have a, a good season and secure your starting spot? Yeah,
1: um, like I sort of said, in the approach to errors and, and sort of any adversity you face, you can't throw in the white towel. you just got to you know, stay resilient and keep pushing through and keep learning from everything. Um, yeah, first game there in Sydney, you know, I was a bit in awe of everything and a bit starstruck, a little bit like a, you know, to a certain aspect, a deer in headlights, you know, the first game that's on foot, you know, on TV, everyone's watching, you know, a crowd of 15,000 or something like that. It, it was the first time I obviously hadn't played, I guess, a park football game with a crowd of maybe a 1,000 or, or, you know, if that. So that was a, a little bit of a surreal feeling. And, um, yeah, uh, I just I remember I remember quite well the cross that came in. And I actually, I caught away because it was quite a low cross. And it was Patrick Svanswijk that was sort of in our new post, our uh, right central defender. No, well, Alex Wilkinson is our right central defender. But I think in that moment, maybe Alex Wilkinson had been drawn out or for whatever reason. I remember Patrick Svanswijk being in that near post zone. And it was sort of a low cross that came in, um, in between sort of keeper and and defender. And I caught away at the moment, in the moment, hoping that he would clear it, but then he let it go. And then it was obviously going to be close to me. Um, And yeah, I was probably playing a little bit of a catch up, having caught away, hoping that he was going to clear. I wasn't quite ready to, you know, make a, a, a technical, I guess, cut out from a cross in that moment. And, yeah had a fumble, and obviously they scored and and whatnot, but um you know it was a learning curve and tried to learn from it and uh yeah but yeah so you played
2: almost three hundred games since you started at Blacktown city and then um almost got a goal when you took a penalty against uh western city Wanderers. Do, do you look back and regret that one, or are you still putting your hand up for the next penalty to put a goal next to your stats as well
1: yeah i mean i don't I don't regret it obviously i You know, I was back to my ability in that moment to do what was hopefully needed to be done. Um, You know, I wanted to contribute to hopefully our team winning and, you know, I made my decision probably, you know, in hindsight, which is a wonderful thing. You know, I could have done better, obviously. It wasn't a goal. Um, You know, could have done a couple of things differently, but, you know, it was what it was. Uh, You know, if the opportunity arose again, I'm not too sure um, what I would do, but... Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I'll, I'll probably, you know, put that down to something that I've learned from, thro- learned from, and, and hopefully be better for the opportunity next time it, it came along. So, uh, so yeah, I'd probably have that approach.
2: Uh, I, I, I love the intent. I mean, Chilverton was one of my favourite goalkeepers, so yeah, I, I love the bravery to say, "Hey, I'm going to go take one."
1: Yeah, I mean, like you say, everyone's human, and it's part of the game. But uh, yeah. Well, you know, it wasn't my fondest moment, but, you know, that's that's part of the journey and, you know, it's what shapes you as a person and, you know, just fuels you to want to do even better when you have a setback like that, I guess. So, that's uh, that's how I, uh, you know, I, I chose to have dealt with that situation.
0: i I back you up if there's one for Brighton. Like, yeah. Straight up there and take yeah. it. Yeah.
1: Uh, there's a few in front of me, I think, on the takers. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, let, uh, I'll let, them, let them go ahead and, and do that. But if
3: I'm caught upon, you know, I'm, I'm there and I'm willing. So. Love it. I guess if you could sum it up into one thing, what do you think the biggest challenge of your career has been so far? One thing.
1: Um, I think... I think it's production. Um, you know, that constant it's a word trying to word it in a way um, not expectation but the challenge of of needing and wanting to produce you know to the level that I feel I can produce is probably the biggest challenge and the consistency I'm wanting to do you know wanting to do that um, you know everyone would love to be man of the match every game and, and you know steal the headlines and um, you know, be the best contributing player all the time, and um, I guess that's you know those moments I've had of triumphs where I've done well, making saves, winning games against opposition, all those types of things. It's <laughs> it's, it's um, they're they're the best moments, and um, you know it's it's that sort of ecstasy that you know I guess is the motivating factor in in what you do and why you strive to. Want to achieve that feeling all the time, so you know just the the challenge of you know producing your your full potential and and that you know to be contributing to the success of your team um, is is probably been the, the biggest challenge uh, that I've faced in, in the career until now.
0: You speak about obviously challenges and media and things over in, in the big league EPL, ten pages of each paper. Is about football. Are you someone who picks a paper up and reads it? Or how, how do you cope with uh, the media and obviously so much coming out? Um,
1: yeah, like you see some things here and there. I think it's difficult not to these days unless you're totally off social media and you don't buy a paper or anything like that. Um, it's pretty rare if you're that type of person these days. But I mean, I don't really actively go out and, and look at anything. I think through your experiences, you quickly learn that you got to listen to the opinions of those closest to you and those that want the best for you because there's quite, you know, the, the world's an opinionated world and they're not, you know, the, they think quite rashly, you know, that's, you know, that's not trying to stereotype everyone, but that's just sort of the majority out there, you know, there are exceptions, obviously, and people that really understand it and all that, but, um, you know, that's sort of been the method that's, I felt has treated me um, well and, You know, the funny thing I find, though, is that, you know, I always have the expectation of my own levels that I set for myself. And, you know, I'm my own harshest critic. So, you know, if there's someone out there that's not agreeing, then 99% of the time, you know, I'm not happy with it myself. So it sort of ticks itself off, you know. If I'm doing, you know, if I'm feeling that I'm doing something to the best on my ability and I felt like I've done well in moments, you know, it quite often ticks the boxes of um, what I guess the external noise, um, you know, once from you as well. So there's no one out there that has higher expectations than myself. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm. you know, it's just a, you know, a nice little, um, how do I say it? Like coupled, you know, it sort of ticks it off the list by me, producing what I want to do with my own expectations. And then if I'm doing that to the level that I want to do, then that ticks off the, the, the expectations for, I guess, external pressure and all that types of things. So I've never really focused on it. I've just focused on the levels that I set for myself and the rest of that other stuff. If I'm doing my job well, sort of looks after itself.
3: Yeah. I guess you've played at two World Cups now and against players like Mbappe, Alexis Sanchez, quality Spanish team. Who's probably the best player you've come up against in your career, both national and club? Uh, Lionel Messi. Um, I was part of that
1: pretty memorable game where Barcelona beat Valencia 7-0 when Gary Neville was in charge. And yeah, found out the hard way just how good uh, Messi, Suarez and Barcelona are that night. So, you know, as, as, as a shock to the system that night was, you know, I tried to adapt that growth mindset and... Um, you know, learn from that occasion and, you know, I can't wait for the next opportunity I have against hopefully that team or those players to, to show how far I've come from there and what I learned from there and, um, you know, confidence and belief in myself that um, I've got what it takes to, to be able to contribute to the team um, that would, you know, I'd be representing coming up against the likes of them again to hopefully come out on top uh, a few more times than, than that previous uh, occasion.
2: Who's been your biggest mentors that have helped you along the way since since you were at Blacktown City?
1: Can you say that? Uh, Bozza. <laughs> 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 I'm going to answer it. This will be great. Bozza. <laughs> How are you, mate? Yeah, good, thanks. I'm just actually doing a uh, Zoom meeting with uh, a bunch of guys from Football New South Wales and that uh, goalkeeping members... Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm still, I'm gonna put That's you on. I'm gonna put you on loudspeaker because they're all goalkeepers and all that. Tony Franken, right. Tony Franken organised it for me, so. All right. Well, Tom, I love him all, I'm just about
0: to go on air, but I just want to want to know because somebody said you're still in Australia. I said no,
1: he left the May first. Uh no, I got extended, so still here at the minute. I'm due to go back tomorrow, but that might change again. So, all right. All right. But, uh, I'll give you a call a bit later on, mate. If, right. if you, need all it. Care. All right, mate. Love, you. You love
2: it.
0: <laughs>
1: Special
2: guest. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I was just mentioning about mentors. Is Boz a mentor? I mean, what mentors have you had since uh, you were at Blackdown City uh, to help you along the way, especially the big move when you went
1: overseas? Um, probably my biggest is my my family, my mum, with the respect, um, you know, not the respect I was gonna say, with, um, you know, the advice she obviously gave me and um, the morals and characteristics mm-hmm. That she and the rest of the family helped instill within me, you know, to help, I guess, me live the most fulfilling life that I could live was probably the most important, sort of uh, engraving those roots into me because that's obviously the the cornerstone of, of who I am. Um, But then, yeah, outside of that, the likes of John Crawley as a youngster, being my first major, you know, goalkeeping coach, um, you know, was a product of, of his goalkeeping methods and you know, set me up for the style of goalkeeper that I am. Um, Bozzo was probably a little bit before my time as a youngster when I started watching the national team. It was more Schwarzer in my youth, who was the, you know, number one goalkeeper and in, in national uh, national team, and obviously, in the, the Premier League that I remember more fondly. So, Schwarzer was a, a a mentor of mine as well. And I would say Ike Casillas as well. Um, growing up, obviously, not being so tall and... And that, um, that was always a doubt a lot of people had whether I would be, you know, good enough because of my lack of height and those, those sorts of things. And someone like see Casillas that had similar characteristics in terms of, uh, like, physicality and someone that was obviously producing at the highest level for one of, you know, one of the biggest, if not the biggest clubs in the world um, was, uh, yeah, quickly made him a, a mentor and, and, and an idol as well. Yeah,
2: cool. Um, in the EPL specifically, do you see um, any difference between how Australians are viewed as compared to the European, South American players? Do you have to do more to earn respect as being an Australian coming in or football speaks for itself?
1: No, definitely. I mean, everyone, because Australia so far away and um, I guess such a big sporting nation in, in a number of sports don't quite, I guess, pay them or pay us the respects. Um you know, that I don't know if we can say we deserve because you obviously still got to go out there and prove yourself. Um, But, yeah, I mean, you're definitely behind the eight ball, I guess, being an Australian, you know, the challenge wanting to go over to Europe, the big leagues and, you know, make a career out of it and reach your, obviously, full potential. And, you know, with the visa um, rules and all that that's there, you know, you got to really be excelling in order for a club to want to take a chance on you where they could obviously be filling these types of spots with other foreigners and stuff. So you you definitely got your work cut out for you. But like I said, you know, the bigger the challenge, the better the triumph when you're able to overcome it.
3: Excellent. Um, Most of our audience are regional footballers or parents or whatever. Have you noticed anything different with regional players, maybe such as Ryan Grant, Nathan Burns, Josh Kennedy, players along those lines? Yeah, um, you
1: know, they're all great guys. Um, But, you know, always the Australian national team has always been a a good group, Um, you know, professional, everyone getting along with one another. It hasn't always been the case at club teams, you know, different little groups and all these types of things. But, I think the Australian mentality, you know, everyone being mates and all those types of things, um, you know, we've always got along with one another. Uh, Yeah, something that sets regional players apart from, I guess, uh, more, um, you know, city slickers or so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Not too sure, other than the fact that I guess when we travel home, they've got further to travel to, to go home, to get back to Australia. But uh, no, we're all good people and you know we've all got good traits of of, of you know characteristics and, um, and all those things. What
2: would be uh, some advice you'd have for young aspiring young players that are wanting to try and emulate what you've done in your career plus other professional players?
1: I think to enjoy what you're doing. Um, you know that's life at the end of the day if you're not enjoying what you're doing then uh, you're probably not going to be leading the most fulfilling life and joyful life that you can can be having so I think that's the most important thing and you know if you get to a level where it starts to become a profession obviously there's lots of pressures and all that that come with it and you can quickly lose sight of that enjoyment factor so I would say yeah you gotta want to enjoy and have fun in what you're doing in chasing your dream and um, I think if you're doing that, then the drive and determination and sacrifice and all that, um, you know, becomes second second nature really when um, all that's part of it. So, I'd say that would probably be my, my advice.
0: Pretty good advice. Is there any other advice for young young goalkeepers coming through or like how important is confidence for them, et cetera, to, to become the, the next Matt Ryan? I know we need to continue to develop more young goalkeepers. Um, Anything for them to go out and especially work on?
1: I just think the quicker you realise or recognise, you know, the more of yourself that you can give to whatever, you know, dream you have or whatever you're chasing or whatever you're wanting to achieve. Um, I think that's the the most efficient way in order to go out and, and achieve that goal, whether it's football, goalkeeper, whatever. So, you know... Like I said, if it's in goalkeeping um, terms, you know, the, the, the more sacrifices you can make in order to train harder, um, train more often, practice more, um, yeah, work on every aspect that's obviously required and have that determination and that drive to be the best that you want to be and you know, stop at nothing to get there, then I think that's what's going to give people the, the best opportunity to, to be the best goalkeeper that they can become. And, you know, the best at anything, you know, that any individual wants to become, um, you don't get anywhere without hard work, you know, full, step, full stop is the, you know, the first step. So, uh, I think that would be my advice.
3: Uh, just before we wrap up, two quick five questions. Yep. Best moment in your career so far? Uh,
1: winning the Asian Cup final. First major trophy for us as a nation. So, uh, that, that takes the cake.
3: And the second one, which we've asked everyone so far, Messi or Ronaldo, which side are you on? Ah, it's one of those things where they're both different players, you know, so
1: why can't we just appreciate the both of them for how good they are? (laughs) Love
2: it. You're worried to jump in this time, Liam, aren't
0: you? Yeah, uh, (laughs) life or death moment, you've got to choose one, Matty.
1: (laughs) Um. uh, I'll say Messi because I played him. So I've witnessed yes. that in person, so, uh, yeah.
0: One more to the mercy tally, Yatesy. It, <laughs> all
2: right, man, we certainly appreciate your time um, today with, with talking to us and we certainly... I'm sure it'll be really insightful for all the regional contacts that we have that are listening to our football hub. So, thanks very much. We certainly all hope right. that uh, things become clear soon and, and you can get back playing in, in the EPL so we certainly appreciate your time. Best of luck. Thanks very much.
1: No worries my pleasure. Thanks for having me on guys and um yeah wishing you all the best moving forward. Hopefully I uh, provided something, you know, nice insight for, for all the listeners and viewers. And uh yeah thanks for your wishes and stay safe, stay healthy and yeah, look forward to uh, you yeah, know maybe catching up again in, in the future.
0: Beautiful. Awesome. Thanks Matt. Take care Bye. mate. Thanks then, Matt. Thank Take you. Care. see you later. Bye.